0: reading for us out of Mark 15 this morning. And it ends with this haunting scene, the last verse of the chapter. It says, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where Jesus's body was laid. And there's these two Marys, and they're looking. They're looking at the tomb where he lay. And the hope of Israel is lost. The promised king It's been crowned with a thorn, now buried in a tomb. The light of the world has been snuffed out. It's a dark night for the follower of Jesus. We started somber this morning. And you're like, dude, it's Easter. (laughs) Our kids are rocking pastels, right? These cheery colors, threatening them within an inch of their lives. They don't walk into the building with a smile on their face. Don't touch that, tie. Come here. Come here. And then we kick him out of the building right away. And it's all depressing in here. You're like, come on, bro. Had this nice, calm brunch this morning. Easter egg hunt where everybody was just sharing their eggs equitably, right? Yeah, right, right. And now you come in here and you've ruined it. Like, I came to celebrate the resurrected king and you're acting like it's a funeral. We're going to take a journey this morning together. We're going to take a journey from death to resurrection. You see, we wanted to start this morning together by sitting on the crucifixion of our Jesus. Because without Good Friday, there's nothing good about Easter Sunday. Another way to say it is without the cross, there is no resurrection. Without the horrors of Friday afternoon, there is no beauty at the empty tomb. We want to be careful not to just fast forward to the end of the movie. It's like all you weirdos out there that pick up a book and the first thing you do is go to the end and read the ending. You repent of that. That is wrong. (laughs) it's, It's only a happy ending if you followed the journey of the characters and what it took them to get to that place. You don't just flip to the back and say, oh, they lived happily ever after. And that's why we started this morning in Mark chapter 15 to look at the death of Jesus and not just skip ahead to Mark chapter 16 when he rises again. Another way to say it is that without the bad news, the good news isn't good. Without the bad news, the good news isn't good. Let me illustrate this. Say you're, you're sleeping in the middle of the night, peacefully minding your own business And all of a sudden you hear this loud crash and someone barges into your room and you can't even see who it is and they grab you. They drag you by the ankles out of your bed and you're freaking out and you're grabbing the covers and any lamps and bookshelves along the way and they drag you out of your room, out down the hall, out of the house, into the snow where it's freezing. Now how do you respond to that? Hey, thanks man. That was exactly how I wanted to spend the night. What in the world is going on? Who is this person? Get away from me. But then you learn that that stranger was actually your neighbor and they saw that your house was in flames and they had run in there to save your life. It changes your perspective, doesn't it? It moves you from, I'm going to sue you, crazy person, to I owe you my life. You see, learning the bad news... My house is in flames. Helps me rejoice over and be eternally grateful for that good news. Without the bad news, the good news isn't good. Each of us come into this gym this morning with a different story. You're born in a different place. We were raised differently, different backgrounds, different jobs, different relationships, different strengths, different weaknesses. And yet, each of us in here, as a human being, created in the image of God, we have one common story at the baseline of it all. In Ephesians 2, it tells us about this story. This is you, and this is me. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And then it says, all of us. Do you get that? On all of us. This is every one of our stories. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else else this passage tells us that every single one of us were born into this world dead disobedient drenched in sin followers of satan and had the wrath of god poured upon us happy easter and some of us man we we might we soften the blow we say man i'm not that bad right i'm certainly better than some of the delinquents i read about in in the paper I'm not, there's a lot of people out there that'll do far worse things than me. But listen, if our standard is the Clarion's police reports, we need to reevaluate some things, because our standard is not our neighbor, it's the holiness of our God. I thought about this, you know, I got a two-year-old niece, June, she's a mess. Let's say I come up to June and, and and I hand her a rock and I take one and I go, hey June, let's see who can throw a rock farther." to spoil it for you I could crush her right she can't even get yogurt into her mouth properly right you gonna throw a rock playing catcher with her yesterday a couple of days ago a two-year-old's all thumbs right no June hands farther apart you crazy right so when it, if, if I'm trying to throw it farther than her I can win but if I was to say all right June let's see if either one of us can hit the moon with this rock neither one of us are coming anywhere near that thing You can take any major league pitcher that could crush either me or June. And the question isn't, can I throw it farther than them? The question is, can I hit my target? And the reality is, each of us fall desperately and hopelessly short of God's standard. In in fact, it's even worse than that. It's not just that we can't do good enough. The verse says we are dead in our sins. That we came into this world as stillborns. We came into this world dead to God. The word death means separated. We were born separated from him, and just like an apple tree bears apples, a sinner can only sin. There's nothing we can do that's right in his sight. Even the good things that I do are done with the wrong motives. They're done for myself. They're not done for God and his glory. And the bad news is bad. It's bleak. In a way that Derek Webb says it, he says if your sin is, is hypothetical, if your sin is hypothetical, and here, here's what I mean by that. Here's what I believe he means by that. That if, if for, for many of us, when we, we all come in, and we go, yeah, I, I know the game. Like, I, I get it. I've done the Roman's road. Like, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like, we know that on paper, right? I know that I'm a sinner. But if I can't look at, at yesterday and, and point to something in my life, a behavior, a thought, an action, and say, that was wrong, if I can't look at specific things that profane the name of God, if my sin is just on some hypothetical level, and this is what he says, and your Savior will be hypothetical. Because if my sin's just a game, then Jesus is just a game. He's just has got this flannel graph picture that's a cute story. It makes me feel good every once in a while. But he says, if your sin is real... If we understand that the house is burning down all around us, then all of a sudden, when we realize the, the depths of the problem, the desperation of our situation, he said, your Savior will be real. If, if we understand that we have no hope apart from him, when he comes to rescue us, we're going to cling to the real Savior, Jesus. See, if if we don't believe these first three verses, that we're dead, disobedient, deserving nothing but God's wrath, if we don't believe these three verses, then this is all a game and we don't need a savior. But here's the good news today. It's not that your sin isn't real. It's, It's not that you don't deserve God's wrath. That's not the good news. The good news when he turns the corner is this. He says, but... God, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so much in the midst of the deadness of our sins, in the depths of our despair. He did not leave us there, but that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing we can do to span that chasm. There is no amount of strength that we can heave that rock and get it to the moon. But God initiated with us when he raised Jesus, the firstborn of many who will be raised with him. Are you joyful this morning? Not after all that. Thanks, Justin. Are you grateful for Jesus' resurrection? And if we're not, it might be. Because we don't realize he has dragged us out of a burning building. That Jesus has saved your life. <laughs> that he raised you from the dead. And if Easter doesn't pump us up, it might be because we don't see out the door of the empty tomb and see the cross. That we don't see, we don't realize, or we don't remember our need for his death for us. I've got to tell you this story. Craziest Easter Sunday we've ever had here at Peninsula Grace. And you won't believe me, but I've got witnesses. About 10 years ago, the stage was actually flipped. And so the stage was over there, i off the, um, to my left, and everybody was facing that direction. And uh, some of you old timers might remember that. And, and there was this old lady. She was sitting near the back of, of the auditorium, and she was kind of slumped over. looked looked like at first that she was just sleeping. This was back when we had boring pastors, right? <laughs> hey, some of his family's here. No, I, we love everybody. Hey, we're, it's not here. To, uh, now, it, it looked like she had fainted. And we had a couple of medical professionals. Uh, Bob Letta, many of you know Dr. Bob. Uh, uh, um, Robert Glick was here in EMT. He was actually helping to remember, remind me of some of the story. And, and, and they, so they, they notice that something's wrong with this woman. And so they, they pick her chair up, just deadlift her, and bring her into the back in the, in the entryway over there, Mary Jean Land. Okay, they go take her into the back. And, and when they walk her into the back there, what they discovered is that she had no pulse. She had no pulse. She had gone under, um, into a sinus arrest, um, which is the part of your heart that keeps the beat pretty important. And her, start, her heart had actually stopped for several minutes. This woman had died. And so not knowing what to do, I mean, you should consider that. Like this person has died in the middle of this, of this service. And, and so Robert, he goes, run off to grab the defibrillator. And, and on his way back, when he comes back to the scene, he sees Bob's face. Looks like he's just witnessed a ghost, and his jaw is hanging down to the ground. And when he looks down at this woman, her eyes are open. And she's blinking through up at the lights and goes, Is the sermon over yet? No, she didn't say (Laughter) <laughs> Robert, Robert said, he said, they did, they did nothing but carry her into the entryway. No medical attention whatsoever. This woman had been dead for several minutes, and then God brought her back to life. We had a legit resurrection on Resurrection Sunday, people. You can't write this stuff, right? Insanity. And we thought about staging another one this year, just to kind of go, like, <laughs> I had asked Chuck, he had agreed to go into sinus arrest for us, but our insurance apparently doesn't cover resurrection, so we had to, <laughs> had to go a different direction. But what makes this story so incredible is the fact that this woman was dead. See, if I just told you this story, hey man, there was this one time in church, and this little old lady, she was sitting back in the back of the church, and by the end, she was totally still alive. It was awesome, Right? <laughs> I guess that's, that's a cool story, bro, right? There's nothing good or interesting or amazing about that story. But the, good, the, the bad news is necessary for the good news. The bad news that she had died makes the good news that she's now alive again, so beautiful and so wonderful. How cool is that? You think about everything. she had been dead. And no longer could she hold her grandkids. No longer she enjoy another sunset or a juicy steak she was gone and then God comes in and he gives her life again and she can do all the things that alive people can do but do you realize this morning if you're a believer in Jesus the same miracle has happened to you see I was dead I was born dead on arrival there was nothing I could do that could please my God. There was nothing I could do to have a relationship with him. And associated with that, there is no true joy in my life. There is no true peace in my life. And there is no real contentment. Listen to me. You will not find those things in all of the money in the world, and all of the sex in the world, and all of the power in the world. It can only be found in one source, and that's in God himself. But now... I was born dead, but God, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved me so much that he did not let Jesus stay in that grave. When did I get new life? Look at this, you guys. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. The moment he raised Jesus from the dead, there was hope, not just for Jesus, but for every other person who had placed their faith in Jesus. Jesus. When he raised, I could be raised. In fact, it says in verse 6, he raises us with Christ, seats us with him in the heavenlies. Why? Because you and I are one with Jesus. So where's Jesus right now? That's where we are right now. Is Jesus alive? Then I'm alive. Is Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father right now? Then you know where I am, the truest thing about me, my position in Christ is my feet are dangling up on the throne next to my Father God. That's the truest thing about me and that's the truest thing about you if you believe in Jesus. Are you glad Jesus is alive today? Aren't you glad that Mark 15 is not the last chapter? Actually, I actually want to cl- close with this story in, in Matthew. The account that Matthew gives of the risen Jesus this is so beautiful to watch this scene. We said at the end of Mark 15 there's these women and they're staring at the tomb. Jesus is dead. Verse 1, Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, so it's Sunday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. So again, we have to sit here on the bad news. The bad news is these women are at the tomb and Jesus, he's not a flannel graph story to these women. He's a person. He's been their master, their friend, their life. And Jesus has died. And their world has stopped making sense. He was supposed to be the king. He was supposed to be the Messiah, the savior of Israel, the savior of the whole world. And now this light has been snuffed out. The bad news then, but then. Verse two, behold, there's this great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I love that part, the fainting goats. They're just done. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You came here looking for the one that was killed. You came expecting him to be dead, but here is the good news. He is not here. Why? He is risen. As he said, he told you this was coming. Come, see the place where he lay. He used to lay, but he ain't there anymore because he's alive. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Why? Because he's alive. See, I told you. How do you react hearing all that? These women had given up their everything to follow Jesus. For three years they had followed him. They had watched his every move. They've watched him heal. They've watched him forgive. He has given them hope and purpose for their lives and for the world. And then they watch him be brutally murdered and laid into a tomb. And now there's this huge earthquake and there's these angels sitting where Jesus had lay. I mean, how do you react to that? Look at how they react to that. Verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. We talked about this when we were walking through his story. There's this thin line between fear and joy, and I demonstrated this. Okay, I'm going to go from fear to joy. Ready? You see, there's this (laughs) this thin line, and they come together, and this is what I would call awe. I believe awe is the combination of fear and joy, and this was the appropriate response because we think about this, you guys. If someone told you that a loved one that you had lost came back from the dead, what would be your reaction? What? Wait, I, I, I don't want to believe it. What, what are you saying to me? What, and there would be this, it, there would be this fear. This, what are you talking about? This zombie thing. This, this, this person. This can't be true. But then you're also excited, and maybe this is true. And, and you're just kind of wrestling with this. I think there would be a real co- combination of fear and joy. And this is what these women are sitting on. Then, then, the climax, verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them and said, hey guys, there he is in the flesh, in their midst, Jesus. We said at the outset, without the bad news, the good news isn't good. Without the bad news, the good news isn't. Isn't good. Why was this such good news for the women? Because of how bad the bad news was that they had lost their Jesus, their master, their life, their everything. And now this is the best news possible because they're back in the presence of Jesus. And how do they react? Verse 9 they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. They fell on the ground in awe, fear and joy, grabbing onto Jesus' feet. Why? Because they worshipped him, worth-ship. They valued Jesus Christ above every other thing in their life. He was their greatest treasure, and now that they had him, that was all they needed. The best news, and hear me on this, the best news is not that we live forever. You realize everybody is going to live forever. That is not what's in, in, in doubt here. The question is, do we live with Jesus or without Jesus? Because that's the dividing line between all hope and no hope, between all joy and no joy. And if you want to experience this fear and joy these women experience, I'm here to tell you today, it is not going to come from getting that raise that you think is going to change it all. It's not going to come from getting that new job you've been eyeing. It's not going to be from moving to the warmer state it's not going to be from sleeping with that coworker that you've been eyeballing. It's not even going to be by doing good things. Ministry. You're not going to find contentment and fulfillment alone in the good things that you do. It comes from one source and one source alone. And that is a relationship with the person of Jesus. See, each of us have a story. We're on this journey from death to resurrection. And we said there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is that we are sinners. We are rebels deserving nothing but God's wrath. The good news is, but God, but God sent Jesus. See, we look at verse Mark 15 and see his death, and we see Mark 16 and see his resurrection. Now, some of us, some of us need to be reminded of Mark 15 today. Some of us need to go backward and see, because we're just playing a game. This is just hypothetical sin and a hypothetical savior and this doesn't really matter. It doesn't make it. we come to church every once in a while, feel good about ourselves, but we have not had a personal encounter with Jesus our life. Some of us need to recognize that we're in a burning building and need a savior. But some of us Some of us need Mark 16. Some of us need to be reminded that there's hope. Some of us are feeling like we're at rock bottom emotionally. Some of us are disillusioned by our life. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone who's very close to you. Maybe you've lost a job or a loved one or in the midst of a gruesome divorce or or heading that way. And maybe for you, sin is very real and you're in total bondage to something in your life that's huge. And, And you need to know today, That Jesus is no longer in the grave. That he's alive. And because he's alive, there is hope for every single one of us. That order can come to chaos. That that wholeness can come to what's broken. That that life can be given to what is dead because he is risen. There was going to be this big climax. You guys were going to carry me out on my shoulder. He is risen. He is, risen. he is risen. And if that's true, then we want to celebrate. We want to end the service with a celebration. We started with the lights low, and now we're going to bring them up. And we are going to celebrate like those who have ran out of the grave. We're going to celebrate like that little old lady that came back to life. I imagine that was the greatest day in her life. She had never appreciated life more than when it had been snatched from her and then returned to her. She got out of here doing geriatric cartwheels, right? Right? And each of us, we want to celebrate this morning like the women at the tomb who saw Jesus, who heard that he was alive, and then ran with fear and joy and saw him and fell at his feet in worship. We want to celebrate this morning like those who are alive from the dead, who have been made one with Jesus, that we're with him today, and we will be with him forever. Let's celebrate. We might even clap a little bit during these songs. Right? Let's channel our inner Kalifonsky Christian. You can at least do the white boy swag. Give me something, all right? For so the band, come on back up here. Let's get these lights on and let's celebrate because he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen let's celebrate.